put your heart into your speaking. Sincerity and enthusiasm and high earnestness will help you too. When a man is under the influence of his feelings, his real self comes to the surface. The bars are down. The heat of his emotions has burned all barriers away. He acts spontaneously. He talks spontaneously. He is natural. So, in the end, even this matter of delivery comes back to the thing which has already been emphasized repeatedly in these episodes. Namely, put your heart into your talks. I shall never forget, said Dean Brown in his Lectures on Preaching, before the Yale Divinity School. The description given by a friend of mine of a church service which he once attended in the city of London. The preacher was George MacDonald. He read for the scripture lesson that morning the 11th chapter of Hebrews. When the time came for the sermon, he said, You have all heard about these men of faith. I shall not try to tell you what faith is. There are theological professors who could do that much better than I could do it. I am here to help you believe. Then followed such a simple, heartfelt, and majestic manifestation of the man's own faith in those unseen realities which are eternal, as to beget faith in the minds and hearts of all his hearers. His heart was in his work, and his delivery was effective because it rested upon the genuine beauty of his own inner life. His heart was in his work. That is the secret. Yet I know that advice like this is not popular. It seems vague. It sounds indefinite. The average person wants foolproof rules, something definite, something he can put his hands on, rules as precise as the directions for operating a car. That is what he wants. That is what I would like to give him. It would be easy for him, and it would be easy for me. There are such rules, and there is only one little thing wrong with them. They just don't work. They take all the naturalness and spontaneity and life and juice out of a man speaking. I know. In my younger days, I wasted a great deal of energy trying them. They won't appear in these pages for, as Josh Billings observed in one of his latter moments. There ain't no use in knowing so many things that ain't so. Edmund Burke wrote speeches so superb in logic and reasoning in composition that they are today studied as classic models of oratory in the colleges of the land, yet Burke, as a speaker, was a notorious failure. He didn't have the ability to deliver his gems, to make them interesting and forceful, so he was called the dinner bell of the House of Commons. When he arose to talk, the other members coughed and shuffled and either went to sleep or went out in droves. You can throw a steel-jacketed bullet at a man with all your might, and you cannot make even a dent in his clothing. But put powder behind a tallow candle, and you can shoot it through a pine board. Many a tallow candle speech with powder makes, I regret to say, more of an impression than a steel-jacketed talk with no force, no excitement behind it. Practice making your voice strong and flexible. When we are really communicating our ideas to our listeners, we are making use of many elements of vocal and physical variety. We shrug our shoulders, move our arms, wrinkle our brows, increase our volume, change pitch and inflection, 
and talk fast or slow, as the occasion and the material may dictate. It is well to remember that all these are effects and not causes. The so-called variables or modulations of tone are under the direct influence of our mental and emotional state. That is why it is so important that we have a topic we know and a topic we are excited about when we go before an audience. That is why we must be so eager to share that topic with our listeners. Since most of us lose the spontaneity and naturalness of youth as we grow older, we tend to slip into a definite mold of physical and vocal communication. We find ourselves less ready to use gestures and animation. We rarely raise or lower our voices from one pitch to another. In short, we lose the freshness and spontaneity of true conversation. We may get into the habit of talking too slowly or too rapidly, and our diction, unless carefully watched, tends to become ragged and careless. In this episode, you have been repeatedly told to act natural and you may suppose that I therefore condone poor diction or monotonous delivery provided it is natural. On the contrary, I say that we should be natural in the sense that we express our ideas and express them in spirit. On the other hand, every good speaker will not accept himself as incapable of improvement in breadth of vocabulary, richness of imagery and diction, and variety of force of expression. These are areas in which everyone interested in self-improvement will seek to improve. It is an excellent idea to evaluate oneself in terms of volume, pitch variation, and pace. This can be done with the aid of a tape recorder. On the other hand, it will be useful to have friends help you make this evaluation. If it is possible to secure expert advice, so much the better. It should be remembered, however, that these are areas for practice away from the audience. To concern yourself with technique from the audience and before an audience will prove fatal to effectiveness. Once there, pour yourself into your talk. Concentrate your whole being on making a mental and emotional impact on your audience and 9 chances out of 10, you will speak with more emphasis and force than you could ever get from books.